Great news, everyone. Jesus is alive and well. This is Glenn Raglan, Educational and Transformational Ministries. Great ministries. Welcome to this week's podcast. Let's pray. Father, we come thanking you for those who have tuned in to this week's podcast. We continue to pray for healing for the nation. We pray for those who have contracted COVID and its variants. We lift up my family who has lost Ethelene Redden. She was my mother's last surviving sibling, 94 years old and still sharp. We thank you for her life and for those that she touched. We pray that your word will go forward. It will not return to you empty. It will accomplish what you sent it to do in the name of the faithful witness, Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue our Love Month series, and this week I want to talk about the love of money. 1 Timothy 6 and 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. My friends, it is not the money that is evil. It is our attitude towards the money that is evil. Those who put money before God and family run the risk of losing both. The poor want to acquire riches, while the rich want to acquire more riches. The culture of the United States, with its materialism and the advertising for the materialism, has caused societies from around the world to lust after the latest sneaker, mega mansion, high-end car, gadget, and clothing item. The issue is what we are willing to do for the love of money. The 1973 OJ's hit, For the Love of Money, has these lyrics. People will steal from their mother. People will rob their own brother. People will lie. People will cheat. People don't care who they hurt or beat. A woman will sell her precious body. Folks, in addition to this list from the OJs, people are risking their freedom as they manufacture, sell, and distribute drugs, transport humans, sell children, create Ponzi schemes, embezzle, spam, and hack, all because of the greed factor. And yet, these activities continue because the next person believes that they are so smart they won't get caught, and the prospect of getting rich proves too difficult to pass. The subject of money can be polarizing, especially when people find out how much you earn. When God has blessed you with high earnings, it is not the money that becomes an issue. When a person has a job that pays well above the average, there is no shame in glorifying God with the earnings. Have you ever heard that Jesus taught more about money than any other subject? Well, my friends, that is just not true. What is true is that Jesus used parables to teach and he frequently used financial terms to teach a completely different topic. For example, in Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, Jesus teaches using the parable of the workers in the vineyard. He talks about hiring the workers. He talks about the pay for those hired first. He talks about how much those who were hired last would receive. But he isn't talking about payroll. Those hired last were paid first, and they only worked an hour. Yet, they were paid the same as those who were hired first. This parable was the answer to the question Peter asked Jesus in chapter 19, when he said, Lord, we have left all to follow you. Therefore, what shall we have? Jesus is teaching that 
Yes, as a follower of him, you shall be rewarded, but do not be surprised at the manner of being rewarded. Jesus is not teaching on money, but on the kingdom of God. And if you look at the other parables where Jesus uses money to teach, the two debtors in Luke 7 verses 40 through 50, the hidden treasure in Matthew 13, 44, or the lost coin in Luke 15 verses 8 through 10, you will find that none of those parables really have anything to do with finances. The word money occurs 140 times in 123 verses in the Bible. Some of the verses include Exodus 22 and 25, which states, If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. Folks, money was big business in ancient times, just as it is today. At that time, there was no limit on the interest charged on a commercial loan, and there was a limit on interest on personal loans, but no interest was to be charged to the poor. Now we have a system that charges the maximum interest allowed by law, and the people who can least afford the loan, the working poor, pay the most in interest. These predatory loans keep the poor poor. They end up losing their collateral and a derogatory mark on their credit report, making it more difficult to be approved for future credit. Another money verse in the Bible is found in Judges 16:18, when Delilah finally persuaded Samson to tell her the secret of his strength. The verse reads, The lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money to her. The amount was a pre-negotiated sum of 1,100 pieces of silver, worth $48,000 in today's market. Samson loved Delilah, but Delilah loved money, as she tried repeatedly to earn the 1,100 pieces of silver that were promised in Judges 16 and 5. When Ahab wanted a vineyard that was next to his palace, he offered Naboth, the owner, money or a trade for a better vineyard. This narrative, found in 1 Kings 21 verses 1 through 16, shows the greed of those who have power to take what doesn't belong to them. When Naboth refused to sell the vineyard, Ahab's wife, Jezebel, concocted a plan to have Naboth murdered. She claimed that Naboth had blasphemed God and the king. After this lie was told, Naboth was stoned to death, and Jezebel had Ahab go and claim the vineyard. My friends, you never know who is plotting against you to take what can be taken by hook or crook. In the book of Esther, chapter 3, Haman came up with a plan to exterminate all the Jews in the kingdom, telling the king that the Jews were making trouble and not obeying the king's commands. Haman even offered to pay the king 100,000 talents of silver, worth 161 million in today's currency. Haman duped the king into agreeing to his plan without understanding all the facts. The king probably thought, Haman is getting rid of a problem for me and paying me. Now that's a win-win. In Acts 5 verses 1 through 11, the greed of Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, cost them their lives. Members of the early church would sell a possession and bring the money to the apostles. When Ananias sold a piece of land, they decided to keep part of it and give the rest to the apostles. When Peter questioned Ananias about the details of the land sale, Ananias lied, and after lying, immediately fell dead. The men at the house 
came and took him away for burial. Three hours later, Sapphire came to the house, unaware of what had happened to her husband, and Peter asked her about the sale of the property and the money. Sapphira lied as well, and she fell dead instantly, just as her husband. The same men who had buried Ananias came in and took Sapphira's body and buried her next to her husband. In Acts 8, verses 18 through 24, Peter and John were laying hands on the saved, and they received the Holy Spirit. When a man named Simon saw them lay hands, he wanted the power to lay hands on people and give them the Holy Spirit. But here's the catch. Simon offered to pay money for the power. Peter's response is recorded in Acts 8.20. Your money perished with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Peter continues in verse 21, You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. My brothers and sisters in Christ, Simon wanted to own the Holy Spirit for the personal gains he sought, when actually the gifts of the Holy Spirit are freely given to those who trust God by faith. In Matthew's Gospel, Judas approaches the chief priest and says in chapter 26, verses 15 through 16, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him, Jesus, to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. My Christian comrades, the love of money cost Judas eternal life. He was one of the 12 apostles. He walked and talked with Jesus for three years. He broke bread with the other 11 apostles. He witnessed the miracles of Jesus, and yet he was a thief. He was a thief who was also the treasurer of Jesus' ministry. While some dismissed the level of wealth of the ministry, the fact is, if you need a treasurer, you have some money. Luke 8 verse 3 tells of the financial support given to the ministry of Jesus. But why Judas is treasurer? Levi was a tax collector and certainly had the experience to handle the funds, but Jesus chose Judas. Judas was rebuked by Jesus when Judas complained about the expensive perfume Mary had poured on the feet of Jesus. Listen to what Judas says in John 12 and 5 and the response in verses 6 through 8. Judas says, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? John writes in verse 6, This he said, not that Judas cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Folks, why would Jesus put a thief and the person he knows will betray him in charge of the money bag? Here is one of the lessons Jesus taught on money found in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. He proclaims, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, my brothers and sisters, Jesus showed us through Judas what happens when we change our hearts for things of the kingdom to things of this world. Jesus teaches us that we are not to put our trust in money. Folks, 
Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, a small amount worth about $25. We make decisions every day that affect our finances. My friends, I love Jesus and his blessings more than money. Do you? Let's pray. Father, thank you for all your blessings. Teach us to trust you, not our bank account. In the name of our hope, Jesus Christ, amen. I continue to encourage you to find a good Bible teaching church. Send your prayer request as well as your praise reports to our email address, which is hello at greatministries.org. Please continue to pray for Great Ministries and share us with your friends, your family, your loved ones, and the unsaved. Our website is www.greatministries.org. Stay safe, be blessed, and have a great week.